Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, your co-host, Scott Martin, here on a Monday morning. We are, it's actually Monday morning. We are live on a Monday morning, not pre-recorded here, so all our information is up to date, which means that there's really still nothing going on as far as uh, new updates. We'll get into the recruiting stuff here. We've got some great mailbag questions. Appreciate everybody who uh, who threw out a question. I don't even know if we're going to be able to get to all of them because we're continuing on with our position previews. We've got the pass catchers today, which means wide receivers and tight ends. We're kind of lumping those two together. Um, a message that, you know, I just haven't really brought up in a while because you guys are, are generally good about doing it anyway. If you're not subscribed, make sure you do that. Uh, if you're not following on Twitter, make sure you do that. All of those links are in the, the episode notes. If you're listening on Spotify, uh, Apple, wherever, leave a review for us. If you haven't already on Spotify, it's super easy. Just click the, the five-star rating. It takes literally eight seconds. Uh, Apple, same thing. If you want to write a review in there, we would very much appreciate that as well. And uh, head over to the Facebook page. Uh, it's the Standing Room Spartans community. It's a Facebook group up there that, to be quite frank, we haven't really done a whole lot with. But as the season kicks off, um, we're going to try to have some fun there and uh, do some things that we're not really able to do just on Twitter. So all of that out of the way, Scott, Monday morning, how are we today? Ever closer to college football. Um Definitely tired of the offseason drudgery. I think this past week we passed the day after the MLB All-Star Game, which is always the darkest day of the sports calendar. Um, hopefully you're enjoying the summer, keeping yourselves busy, not relying on the sports calendar this time of year to keep you entertained. But um, yeah, I, I got out on the Appalachian Trail this past weekend, knocked out some miles. So feeling good about that, staying busy, by biding my time uh, until football's back and i think nfl preseason we talked about this last week is do you know when it starts like three weeks away so um, i very i don't have the date i know all the nfl training camps are like opening this week i i'm pretty sure the lions open like today or tomorrow so yeah it's it's right around the corner and we need some some football on the television or in God, person do we if ever. you're so lucky i mean this recruiting stuff we're gonna just dive right into this it is 
getting pretty toxic out there. Uh, it started with a bang this this class. Obviously, uh, we had that. I think it was like a week or two where we had like five four stars, and it was like, well, we're going to get everything we ever dreamed of in this class. And and it certainly slowed down and picked up and slowed down again. Uh, and now we're into the time when those real top targets, those real high four star five star guys, are starting to commit and. Um, Kevin, I'm just going to stop there because I think there's our first mailbag question or two related to kind of the current state of recruiting and a few developments we've had over the last couple weeks. So do you want to tee us up with that? Yeah, we'll just kind of lump a couple together here. There was, um, go green, uh, at RCM bro Brocks, I guess, uh, Buck Naked was on there as well. Spartan Dog 223 was on there as well. Um, all kind of similar recruiting questions about, you know, hey, we missed out on this guy. Where are we going next? And and where does this turn, especially for offensive tackles? And are we putting all of our eggs in one basket? And, you know, did we kind of screw ourselves here? The first thing that I will mention is something that I mentioned on the last podcast as well. And I'll probably continue to mention here as, as time goes on, it's June there. It's, it's literally impossible to put all July. of your eggs in one basket. It's July, whatever, same thing. Um, it's, it's just, it's July. We have so much time for this all to flush out that it's, it's not really worth getting too excited about one way or another. Like you said, it, it could be just product of, uh, not really having football on TV. And this is the only thing that can connect us to football still. Um, I guess if you want to name again, you know, we we're starting to panic. Who's going to be our next offensive tackle. Miles McVeigh is going to be committing soon. He's a big target for Michigan state. Another name that uh, our friend of the podcast, he's who's been on the pod before. Um, we'll try to get him on uh, sometime soonish again. But uh, Corey Robinson on the VIP thread on 24-7 brought up the name uh, Tali, Taliafi Tala. He is a six foot seven, 280-pound offensive tackle out of Sandy, Utah in the class of 2023. He took an unofficial to Michigan State. Um, another name to keep an eye on, right? They, these things are just kind of cyclical. You have a couple names on the hot board, a couple of them commit elsewhere, and then who's the next guy to fill in that spot? So that's a name to look out for. But again, um, I don't know. The, the sky's not falling. And for those of you who are starting to panic, it's July. There's plenty of time. Yeah, I'm not going to belabor that point. I'll just say this class is already projecting to be exceedingly better than the last one that everyone was pretty uh, satisfied with. Um, the change I think is just that the, the program has been more willing to go out and really put uh, a strong effort forth for these top tier guys. And it's really the first time we've seen a push that big for the, that type of recruit, that archetype uh, in a long time. And it's going to take some time to, to get used to landing those blue chip um, recruits. But Mel Tucker won 11 games last year with two and three star guys and a handful of, of, of transfers. Um, what are we, what are we panicking about here? So just be patient. I mean, by Job, it's top 70 guy just committed. Um, one of the highest recruits we've had in a long time. And the sky is, uh, is still blue and Mel Tucker's still our coach. We won 
11 games last year. There's nothing to panic about. Um, if you yeah, feel like we're missing all these top tier guys and there's nobody left, just remember it's there are there are names that are not even on our board yet that will sign with our team this class. That's how yeah, much time we have left. And we have 12 commitments already, right? In certain positions, you already look at quarterback done, taken care of, interior offensive lineman done, taken care of, tight end done, uh, defensive line i mean you're you're almost there you're probably looking at one maybe two more guys like certain positions are already basically taken care of at cornerback is another one we already have multiple corners in the class you're probably fine there i mean if if we sign another one great if we don't it's not the end of the world like but we we're fine we're we're kind of at the point now with the staff where you know you can just go out and target a couple positions it makes it a lot easier to kind of narrow down your focus and, you know, going back to that phrase of putting your eggs in one basket, you have fewer baskets that you need to put the eggs into now. Um, you already got your quarterback. You already got a couple corners. You already got your running back. So, uh, you know, sky's not falling. Plenty of time left. Speaking of actual football coming on the TV soon, Scott, did you ever have you ever in your life bet on a preseason NFL? Jeez. Uh, no, oh, okay. I can confidently say I have never bet on a preseason football game. <laughs> I'm proud of you. But if you want to, it's coming around the corner. DraftKings Sportsbook is the place to do it. They're giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. Make your first bet up to $1,000. If it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw it out on all the major actions coming up from now until then. That's baseball, golf, MMA, MLS is out there. You can do same game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, props, whatever. Uh, your betting options feel endless. Uh, the, the DraftKings Sportsbook, it's safe, secure, reliable. Deposit, withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Now use promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, which we're a proud member. Make your first deposit. Get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TPPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, so we're going to start off with a couple mailbag questions here before we get into the pass catchers preview because there are some fun ones. There are some really good ones here. The first one, let's go to our guy Marshall at MarshallJ93 on Twitter. He's a good follow there. He says, what are three current Spartans without a known NIL deal that deserve uh, that deserve an NIL deal? What's the perfect product for them to promote given their personality? Uh, I was going back and forth with Marshall a little bit on this one. Like As you guys know, a lot of the NIL stuff isn't super readily available. So we're kind of tweaking this. Let's just kind of come up with a couple of players names products that we think uh would sell i'll start with the low-hanging fruit scott big dooley christian phillips incoming uh offensive lineman i mean it's it's low-hanging fruit but big dooley on like a double cheeseburger at uh you know wherever crunchies peanut barrel fill in the blank give me like a double cheeseburger with extra bacon uh four slices of cheese Call it the big dooley. I mean, that's that's as easy as it gets, right? 
I love that uh, along the same lines, find some bruiser, maybe big dually, IHOP, pancakes. Uh, Got to be an offensive lineman one way or another. Uh, oh, yeah. Some pancakes. Another one, first one in my head, Bryce Berenger, Rex Specs. Uh, why not? I mean, who could yeah. be a better ambassador for Rex Specs than Bryce Berenger wearing them and kicking bombs every Saturday? There aren't too many brand ambassadors of the Rex Specs out there in the world <laughs> roaming the sports uh, landscape nowadays. So Bryce Berenger, for sure. Um, yeah, I was trying to think as like a mere speed. I mean, he's got it built in, whether that's like a, a, a sneaker store or I, like I'm trying to th- there's got to be something else better there for a mere speed with that name. Um I, like you know, obviously, like some kind of sporting goods store or something, like a, but... like a go kart track, like a local go kart track, or like fun fun house that has go karts. That's that's way better than mine. Yes. Um, are there any? I don't remember any. But is there like a? Well, there was a place up north that was like spare Carl's time. I don't think something. spare time had go karts, but wasn't there a place out east of town that had like putt putt and stuff? I don't know. It's good. There's got to be one out there somewhere. Lansing's a big enough city. Go karts, East Lansing. Let's see. There is East Lansing Kart Track that is go. in Bath Township. Um, Close enough. The first Google review says that uh, Eric Fitzpatrick says that we enjoy racing here. So Eric sponsors it. Why not Amir Speed? I love it. We're still looking for more. I feel like I feel like that was a good brainstorming session. I, we're open for <laughs> consultations at a thousand dollars an hour. If any J- program wants to bring us in and just uh, kick tires, there's there's something there with Maverick Hansen and like some cowboy boots. Um, I'm going more on name than personality, I guess. Jeff Piotrowski, any kind of Polish market. Um, Schrodex is a Polish market in Detroit. That would be a good one. I feel like Cal Halliday needs something like the Home Depot, <laughs> hard local hardware store. Yeah. Didn't he, he raised chickens, so maybe like a local chicken farm in Cal Halliday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I can see that so easily pictured in my head. Uh, Dallas Fincher, like a local bird watching group. He is, you know, the the prime. Uh, prime promoter of the yes. of the recruitment for the Those bird watching bird watching clubs desperately <laughs> trying to tap into the college football fan bases exactly <laughs> uh, i think football on saturdays when you can watch birds <laughs> oh the other low-hanging fruit here that we missed is jalen Berger. um you know you can connect the dots with that one uh, let's see what else do we got here. Speaking of Bryce Berenger, Scott L. Brown, who I we are in contact. We will have him on the podcast here soon before the season starts. Uh, as we promised him, he won the uh, bracket challenge or the bowl pick. I don't even remember at this point, but he won something. Uh, he says, "I'm not a special teams guy, but why isn't Bryce Berenger getting more preseason love?" Uh, my first answer. As somebody who votes for the Lou Groza, which is not the the punting award, but is the kicking award, but in seeing people and the way that they voted for the Lou Groza award is basically that nobody actually pays attention to special teams and they just find like, oh, who was on the list last year? Is he coming back? All right. Yeah. Just put that like 
the writers aren't going to take their time to do the research into the uh, into the punting statistics, and uh, that's the best way I can explain it. Right, there were just so many good punters in the Big Ten last year that he wasn't given that kind of award recognition that you would think, and so he's just not going to have it going into this year. Um, that's that's the easiest way I could answer it. I feel like I need to take a stab at getting a vote for the Lou Groza. You've got the kickers covered. I, I got to get my name into the punters. The Ray guy. I think we looked into this at some point, and the Ray guy was like way pickier about there. I uh, I did send them an email like a couple months ago. Still waiting to hear back. But <laughs> all right. Well, if you get I that my one, Lou it's... Groza vote, and that, that basically makes my life complete. So, well, we're trying out here. I don't know if we'll ever move past specialists. Maybe I can get a long snapper um, vote. <laughs> we'll see. We're, we'll keep working on you it. You can start the long snapper award, actually, because I don't think there is one. Oh, come on. Our specialists need their love. Uh, anyway, yeah, same thing. I mean, at the end of the day, specialists don't get very much attention um, in terms of research, percentage of research hours by those giving the attention and uh, we all know Bryce Berenger, but let's face it, punters just don't move around Twitter very often or other conversational spaces. Uh, but we'll see what happens this year. Uh, he's, I think we'll get plenty of attention again this season, uh, being one of the best punters in the country. And uh, certainly MSU Twitter will do their part to get his name out there. Quick hitter here for you, Scott. Why does everybody fear USC? MSU one Gator says they are the Maryland of the West. Tell me the last decent team they beat at home and on the road. If they are placed in the West division right now, they will go four and five hell. Even the Walmart program down the road would beat them. Um, All right. Where are we going with that? (laughs) (laughs) So first of all, one of the reasons everybody, they did go four and eight last year. Very bad, but um, they switched coaches after like, I think two games last. It was season. yeah. It was they held, re- it was like September. He got fired, <laughs> and now they have Lincoln Riley, who we will see. Uh, he was certainly moved into a well-established position at his last spot. Obviously, Stoops had stepped down, and he filled that spot. Uh, but he's put out NFL talent. He's a great recruiter. That's first reason. Second reason, I think people fear them is because our generation grew up watching some of the best USC teams ever. And it's just one of those names and one of those brands that we associate with national championship football. Um, obviously the, the recent past is a different story, but that's not to say those emotions and that nostalgia doesn't get dredged up when you see, you know, them rolling out onto a football field on a Saturday. From um, 2003 to 2008, which is like the meat of our childhood, they went Rose Bowl win, national championship, national championship game loss, Rose Bowl win, Rose Bowl win, Rose Bowl win. That's a hell of a run. That's a hell of a run. <laughs> so that's why the other reason is they're, you know, probably the best West Coast football team i mean oregon's up there but in terms of longevity um they have 11 claimed national titles obviously two since the turn of the century um 39 conference titles obviously not in the big 10 yet um 
they're a big name who re- can recruit well. And in the NIL era, they're sitting in a hotbed of cash in Los Angeles. So there's no reason why they shouldn't be able to take advantage of that market. Um, and I, I mean, the, the Big Ten West, yes, there are teams that will compete with USC, but they're absolutely one of the top three brands, probably the biggest brand now in the Big Ten West. Well, now, once they join. Um, sorry to Wisconsin, sorry to Nebraska, but USC is, I mean, they have those traditional rivalries with Notre Dame, um, with Stanford and UCLA, but especially the Notre Dame rivalry got them on TV for earlier generations where really the only football you caught was, was the big national game or two of every weekend. Uh, it's a huge name and it carries a lot of weight and yeah, they went four and eight last year, but there's a reason they're feared because they've had relatively recent success. And uh, they have a lot of resources at their disposal with a really, I would say, um, inspiring new coach for their program. So a lot to be excited about in, in L.A. Yeah, I my two cents here is that uh, I made a, a handshake Twitter bet with somebody. I don't even remember who it was that I said that they won't win the Big Ten in the first five years that they're in the conference. And um I just, you know, I, I think USC, I I'm somewhere in between the, the people that say, well, they're going to come in and compete in the big 10 to, you know, compete with Ohio state to win the big 10 right away. And the people like MSU Gator, who says they're the Maryland of the West. I just, you know, it's going to take some time. Lincoln Riley, you, you can't understate what he did at Oklahoma to bring them to the playoff basically every season. Uh, but I do think that there's an aspect of USC that is definitely missing now and was a problem for Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma for a little while there, too. And it's just developing trench players on both sides of the ball and obviously something that the Big Ten really excels at. So it's definitely going to take them a, a few years to kind of just get accustomed to the week in week out grind of playing Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin, Michigan you know, Penn state and, and, and just getting beat to hell on the lines of scrimmage. And I think they'll come in and be like a, an eight win team for a couple years. And then, you know, if they progress the way that they should eventually, you know, maybe they'll creep up to that Ohio state level, but I, I do think it'll take some time, but the Maryland of the West is, is a objectively hilarious, but it, you know, it's just, uh, it's it's a bit of a stretch for me. I, I won't go that far. I'll give you the Michigan of the West. They had they were good in the early thousands. Uh, they had a run in the seventies and sixties when they were running national championship every three to five years. Um, and after two thousand eight, two thousand nine, when Pete Carroll left, they've been sputtering, uh, trying to find that same level of success. So. So Clay Helton was their Brady Hoke. And Perfect. and Lincoln Riley will be their Jim Harbaugh. Or whatever Kiffin that means in there. In the same year, they had Lane Kiffin, Ed Orgeron, and Clay yeah. <laughs> Helton all as their head coach uh, in 110 games. Um, but they've had quite a run of, um, like I said, sputtering. Clay Helton's tenure was, I'm surprised he lasted as long as he did, to be honest. Everybody but, was. If you, um, if you listen to national college football podcasts and stuff, literally for like four straight seasons, everybody was like, all right, well, is this the year that he gets fired? And it wasn't. 
And then it just went on and on and on. And then eventually in 2021, he coached two games, won one of them and got fired. <laughs> so last question on this note, you said they wouldn't win the Big Ten in their first five years. Will they win the Big Ten West in their first five years? They they won't have divisions, I don't think, so it won't really matter. But um, I think they would. They would win the Big Ten West once if they were put in that position, but I just don't think that divisions will be a reality when uh, when they come into the conference. Um, what else do we got here? We've got uh, Green Machine at Spartan for Life twenty three says, out of all the twenty twenty two commits, who do you see having the biggest impact on this year's football team? So effectively, Scott, true freshman that will have the biggest impact on this roster? This is a great question. And quite frankly, I think it's unlikely any of the freshmen have a big impact on this team. But you know who my answer is. So I will say this is tough. Um, I'm going to go with Jeremy Bernard because I think he has the best opportunity to get on the field. Um, we were talking about this before we started recording. I feel like that's one of our favorite lines. Of course, we talk about things before we start recording. Anyway, um, <laughs> wide receiver is obviously a position. You can rotate a lot of guys. We obviously lost a lot of production with Jalen Naylor last year. We're bringing back Reed and Mosley, but there's a big group behind them uh, of a lot of different guys with a lot of different skill sets who are going to try to be getting on the field. I think Jeremy Bernard could have a similar role to like Keon Coleman last year. And I realized Ken Coleman didn't make an enormous on the field impact last season, but he did get on the field for a few games, caught his touchdown against Ohio State. Um, I think they'll find ways to get Bernard on the field. He's probably not a guy that'll be around until he taps out his eligibility. So you don't have to worry about burning that red shirt. And, uh, and he's just a really athletic, uh, high profile wide receiver um, who I think will will find his way. So the the correct answer, but often overlooked for obvious reasons, answer is probably Jack Stone because I think he'll be the starting kicker. But uh, my my actual answer is, if you've listened to this podcast for the whole off season, not a surprise to you. I think Jaden Mangum has a real shot to be a starting safety by the end of the year. So I will go with that. Um, I just think he brings that perfect skill set to a a deep cover three over the top single high safety. And, and I think that he's got a real shot at playing time uh, pretty early. Uh, let's get one more here before, uh, before we get it. Spartan bot, we'll get to yours uh, next episode. Uh, try to remind me if I forget, but you've got a couple good ones. We just don't really have time to dig our teeth into it. Uh, but disrespected Shardy. He is, he has a fun one here. Not a question, but make a case for 2022 MSU football to outperform 2021. And when you say that, I'm assuming that you mean the record. So basically the case for Michigan State to do better than 2021, which means Michigan State goes 11 and one, making the case for that. So it's a difficult case to make. First of all, I think the reality is, and, and we've kind of talked about it, we'll talk about it more. 
I think there's a really good chance that we look back on this team and say it was a better team than it was last year with a worse record. And part of it's just because of the schedule. The schedule is a lot more difficult than it was last year. You have the crossover games last year were Northwestern, Nebraska, and Purdue. This year, you replaced that with at Illinois, Minnesota, and Wisconsin, which is just a lot more difficult in terms of the crossover games. Uh, On top of that, you have Michigan and Penn State on the road. It's just a more difficult conference slate. And then the non-con is kind of similar. I mean, you can kind of replace at Washington with at Miami from last year. And Miami is a little bit more of a difficult matchup, but you're running into a more difficult schedule. So I think the reality is this could be an eight-win team that you turn around and look back and say like, huh, I I just on a week-to-week basis, I feel like this team was better than it was last year, top to bottom. But so with that out of the way, making the case for Michigan State going 11-1, and I think every team besides Ohio State is beatable. You know, it's it's just the accumulation of it, accumulation of it. Um, and Ohio State's at home, so hey, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so first of all, the case starts with offense and says that the passing attack is diverse and dynamic. You're spreading the ball around. Trey Mosley has this, you know, really breakout season. One of these freshmen step up. Uh, Jaden Reed is is the stud that we know he is, and Peyton Thorne takes that next step. And both of the running backs come in and, and perform really well. The offensive line stays completely healthy for the entire season. Um, and then obviously defensively, you you find an edge rusher who is, you know, really getting after quarterbacks, and the defensive backfield takes a massive step forward. Uh, from from game one, right? Amir Speed comes in and becomes an all Big Ten player. You have, uh, you know, Ronald Williams takes that next step as a great player or Charles Brantley steps up, you know, whatever the case is. But it's going to take basically everybody that possibly could take that next step, you know, that, that Peyton Thorne, it's his second year as a starter. And Ronald Williams, it's his second year in the system. And... Chris Bogle, you know, who who finally figures it out because he's in the right scheme or the right situation. All of those have to work out. Every single one of them. Like, you can't miss a single one. And I don't think that's super likely, but I guess that's that's kind of the case for it. I'll try to be pointed here. We know what we've got in the passing game. Uh, I trust the off, uh, defensive line and linebackers will sort, will sort themselves out, but two reasons why this team could outperform 2021 one the offensive line would have to be the reason we have a productive running game um i don't think we're going to have a running back that's going to carry us with the offensive line that struggles the offensive line needs to be moving the running game in a way that it doesn't matter who we're handing the rock to we're having successful downs consistently no matter who's on the other side of the ball And I'll just lump the other side as Scotty Hazleton not only earns his paycheck, but earns himself a raise. I think to win 11 games this year, we would have to see kind of a miracle on the defensive side of the ball compared to what we saw last season. 
Um, Hazleton was, I was listening to eyes on big 10 this morning in their Michigan state preview. And they were talking about how they're amazed. And I think you and I would both agree at the fact that Jay Johnson's looking like the better uh, coordinator hire right now. Hazleton was, was probably one of the most hyped hires after Mel Tucker came on board uh, in terms of the coaching staff. And he hasn't really shown why yet. Uh, and that's not to say he's not a good court co- coordinator, excuse me, but that is to say there are definitely challenges on that defense and he's going to have to do wonders to get this team to 11 wins again, especially 11 regular season wins with this schedule. So offensive line starts mulling people and playing as a five man front instead of five individuals. And the defense just, does a backflip compared to last season a 180 yeah it's not the most likely of of outcomes <laughs> we'll we'll say that as far as again i i do think the likelihood of this team being better than last team that last year's team fairly high likelihood where if you know we go back and say if these two teams played on a neutral site field and you know whatever um, you had the 2021 version of Peyton Thorne and that team versus the, you know, you could look back and say, you know, this was a better team. They would have beaten that team. But we look back and say, well, they had eight wins. Just the, the schedule was brutal, right? Um, all right, let's, let's move on here. We've got the pass catchers to talk about. Last week, uh, we did the backfield, so quarterbacks and running backs as part of our preview here. If you haven't listened to that, make sure you go back and do that. It is the last episode in the feed. Pretty easy to find. So today is the pass catchers. We're talking wide receivers. We're talking tight ends. And last year, you have Jaden Reed go for 1,000 yards, 10 touchdowns, just really proving the playmaker that a lot of people thought he would be going into the season. And then some, you had Jalen Naylor, who in Jalen Naylor fashion, missed a couple of games due to injury, but when he was on the field, was downright ridiculous at times. Remember that Rutgers game, he had, what, 300 yards and three touchdowns in the first half or whatever it was. Uh, He winds up with 900 yards and six touchdowns on the year that we are going to have to replace. Uh, But, you know, Trey Mosley looking to take that next step as a player. He had over 500 yards and three touchdowns last year. He'll look to step into that role. Montori Foster started a couple games, only 12 catches, but a couple of highlight plays on there. Um, And then elsewhere, you have Keon Coleman, the obvious breakout candidate that a lot of people are craving only 50 yards and a touchdown on the season, but you know, shows enough flashes as a true freshman that you think he could turn into something. You've got Terry Lockett still on the roster. You've got Christian Fitzpatrick, who came in from Louisville last year, who's like six five. Um, you know, plays a very specific role that you could put him in in the red zone and, and feel pretty confident he can go up and get one. You've got the true freshman coming in. We mentioned Jeremy Bernard. We haven't really talked a whole lot about Antonio Gates Jr., who was a four-star player out of Dearborn Fordson. He was not on the roster for the spring, so he is coming in fresh for fall camp, which does make it a lot more difficult to be an impact player as a true freshman. Um, Obviously, the tight ends you bring in in Daniel Barker. 
from Illinois. You have Malik Carr. You have Tyler Hunt on the roster. So that's kind of the the very quick blow through of the players that we're going to be talking about. So so let's talk about them, right, Scott? You mentioned before that that we want to kind of structure this a little bit better than than we did last week. So you've got basically your sure things, whether that's one player, whether that's one just general talking point, whether that's a couple of players, what are you sure about when it comes to this path sketching group? I am 100% sure that every Saturday this fall, commentators are going to mention that Jaden Reed went to high school with Peyton Thorne. That's you, you could put that as like a minus 25,000 in the book, and I would probably still bet it. <laughs> There's zero value in that bet. Um, it's a guarantee. On that note, though, we as long as he stays healthy, Jaden Reed is going to make plays all year. Uh, he's going to get a lot more attention from defenses, so it's going to take a combination of uh, Jay Johnson getting creative and other guys stepping up to, to make defenses have to think about more than him. But we know Jaden Reed is, is going to be a dude this season, and Peyton Thorne's going to be looking for him all season. Uh, we also know Trey Mosley has some of the best hands we've ever seen. Uh, if you're not paying attention, you better start paying attention. He certainly was trumped in attention from by Jaden Reed and Jalen Naylor last year, kind of the dynamic duo. But Trey Mosley last season had a knack for making incredible catches exactly when they were needed. And he's going to be relied on more this season. So we'll split up wide receivers and tight ends. Just focus on the wide receivers right now. Those are our sure things. Um, beyond that, it's wide open. And the roles will change as well. I don't think it's... And you can't just say, well, Trey Mosley will fill in the Jalen Naylor spot. And then we'll look for a third wide receiver. Trey Mosley is a very different wide receiver than Jalen Naylor. Um, he's going to, I think... A gr- expand his impact in the same role he was playing last year which is a great route runner a guy who can find the the hole in in a defense in the zone guy who can help extend plays and a guy who can make some pretty impressive acrobatic catches Um, but he's not going to blow the top off defenses that's not the kind of wide receiver he is so are we looking for another wide receiver to do that are we looking for an entirely new archetype one of these taller guys like Keon Coleman or Christian Fitzpatrick to to kind of be a jump ball threat, um, a red zone guy. So how is Jay Johnson going to utilize his personnel um, to get the most out of them? What will that version of this wide receiver core look like? And I do think that last one I mentioned, finding kind of a red zone threat. We obviously saw Jaden Reed rock the baby a few times last season, but we got a couple taller guys. It's been a while since MSU's had kind of one of those just straight jump ball, red zone, uh, short field kind of guys who's real athletic and just go up and get it. Yeah, Tony uh, Lippett is the last one that comes. Uh, Felton Davis, I guess you could put it. Felton Davis was like shockingly not as tall as you. He was like six two, right? Where you he played like somebody who was like six six, but when you looked at him on the roster, it was always surprising. Like, huh? Okay. Or will we find another small speedster? Montori Foster had a flea flicker touchdown last season. I think he's going to get a great look at trying to fill that third wide receiver spot early in the season. 
uh, given his experience and, and what we've seen on tape so far. Um, but it could always be a name we're not expecting. Cade McDonald, he's been around. He's played with Peyton Thorne for a long time. Um, Christian Fitzpatrick, his second year in the program now. Sebastian Brown, Terry Lockett's a guy we've had our eyes on for a while and wondered if he was ever going to break out. And, you know, those names can bubble up. But if I had to guess, I think Keon Coleman with his big size and his athleticism, obviously the basketball pedigree, you can tell he he can go up and get it. Um, or a guy like Jeremy Bernard, you know, true freshman uh, at a position where you can keep his route tree small. Just tell him, go be athletic and get open and uh, and see what he can do. You never know who's going to bubble up out of the woodwork. But um, if I had to guess, put my money on on who is going to have, I'll say, of the wide receivers, the third most um, catches, receiving yards, I'm going to go with Keon Coleman. It just seems like he does – he provides a little something different for this offense, and he's been on the field, and he's very athletic – and I think Jay Johnson is going to be eager to take advantage of that. Yeah, I I love Montori Foster, and I, I feel like I've just been campaigning for him. Uh, but it does seem like, I mean, Keon Coleman played in 10 games last year as a raw recruit. You know, you remember watching his high school tape against these like five foot four white corners in whatever Louisiana Catholic league that he played in. Um, but it, yeah, it does seem like, you know, this, this cross sport training and, you know, basically year round working on his athleticism in, in different ways is going to be really helpful for his progression. You know who I, this came to my mind as you were talking about Trey Mosley, you know, who he reminds me of and, uh, Lions fans will remember this name. He reminds me of Nate Burleson. He's like, he's. He's really savvy. He's always going to find that soft spot in the zone. He's not really going to do much for you after the catch, right? He's going to catch it. He'll try to make somebody miss. He'll probably go down on the first contact more often than not, but he'll gonna, he's going to move the chains. He's going to make those tough catches over the middle. Th- that was just kind of the name that popped up in my head as you were talking about that. But yeah, I so w- we kind of tossed this idea around. And I'm wondering, you go back a couple years in the history and, you know, you have some different results here, obviously. I was wondering, you know, going into 2022, how many players, and if you want to throw a tight end into here, I guess, if you think they're going to have a big season or a running back even, I guess, I don't know. How many guys do you think go over, I set it at 500 yards. So last season... Jaden Reed had a thousand. Jalen Naylor was at about 700 in nine games and Trey Mosley was at 530. The last year he had three guys. 2020 obviously was a weird year. We'll, we'll skip that 2019. It, you had two, it was Cody white and Daryl Stewart 2018 in, in a pretty bad offense. You had one. It was just Cody white who got over that threshold but even in uh, 2014, which was one of the best Michigan State offenses of all time, scored 43 points a game, you only had one guy go over that 500-yard mark. Keith Mumphrey was right there, but but didn't quite get there. So how many guys go over 500 yards? And if it's you know over or under, is that necessarily a good thing for the offense? Like if, if Jaden Reed goes for... 
1,200 yards and nobody else goes over 500, is that even really a good thing, right? The hyper-targeting and, you know, defenses are going to start to key in on that and, and you know, that makes third downs a lot more difficult and you might have some splash plays from Reed, but you're not moving the chains as consistently. Like, this is something I've thought a lot about. I'm I'm going to start, I'll start it off and say over. I Like, you're, you're going to have three guys. I think you're going to have, Jaden Reed, you're going to have Trey Mosley. I feel pretty good about those two going over 500. And then I think whether it is Keon Coleman or Montori Foster, I'll still include his name in that conversation. I think you're going to have another guy there because you're you're missing out on that Kenneth Walker running threat. You're going to need to rely more on Peyton Thorne. So I think there are three guys who are going to go over 1,000 yards. But that does, you know, Jade five <laughs> that would be a hell of a season <laughs> 500 yards you know maybe that does um i i think and 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 that's the healthiest thing for the offense right is if you have multiple guys that the defense has to key in on every play if jaden reed goes for 1200 yards but the next highest guy is 400 i, I don't think that's a healthy way to move the ball down the field. So I think three guys go over 500 yards. I think that's the best thing for the offense. And obviously it's going to be Jaden Reed, Trey Mosley, and then either Keon Coleman or Montori Foster. Uh, are you on the same page with that or no? First of all, you, you mentioned if you thought it was going to be a running, if, if anyone was eager enough to predict a running back going over 500 receiving yards. I'm just scrolling that's scrolling and scrolling back in the record books here. And I'm, I don't, if it's ever happened, it was a long time ago. I'm back to that's some Christian McCaffrey type stuff. Like 500 receiving yards for a running back is very, very, very high number. (laughs) I do think, uh, Jarek Broussard will be utilized in the passing game in a way we haven't seen from a running back in a while. Uh, but not 500 yards. That is, that's a big year. I'm really desperate for a tight end who can like be a part of our open field passing game or really just part of our passing game. Um, I'll say a more traditional tight end. Connor Hayward was certainly involved and did wonders. Uh, I think again, probably one of the best stories coming out of MSU football since, you know, kind of the downfall of the D'Antonio era. Uh, but I like a like a dude. And I think Daniel Barker could be that. I think Malik Carr people are hoping for, and I still think he has potential. I think Daniel Barker could have a big kind of NFL audition year this year. I was watching a little bit of his tape, and he is he's an NFL guy. And when you watch his tape, that's clear. Uh, but 500 yards for a tight end, still a lot. Yeah, his his so, career high is 273. So, yeah. So you're really looking at wide receivers here um, to to get 500 yards for three different guys. I'm going to go with over for a couple reasons. Um, one, I think we're going to be throwing the ball more uh, just in general, because I think we're going to have to rely on it more to move the ball than we did last year. I don't think the running game is going to be as effective for one very obvious reason. Um, and I think 
we're going to be down in more games this year than we were last year. You know, we talked about the fact that we may lose a few more games this year. And even if it's not a, a regression of our, our team's ability, but just harder schedule and the way that uh, this season looks like it might pan out, um, you get a little more of that garbage time, you know, and, and, and even in the close games or even in games we lost or won, we were a fast starting team last year, right? <laughs> like that was a, the the whole thing was the whole like first half of the season we scored on the first play of the game every every game right it was just we were a really fast starting team so you take a couple of those games where you're not you don't have a seven nothing lead three minutes into the game and uh, and it changes that game flow a little bit yeah so yeah I'll go over uh, and it could be a tight end Connor Hayward had 326 yards last year relatively quietly i mean he had some circus catches but that's that's a decent bit of yardage just if you're feeling out how last season felt for connor hayward um so it, it could be there if if Carr or barker really come on the scene as a, as a legitimate open field receiving threat those tight end screens that keep going for 50 yards certainly would help uh if we can get a few more of those but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I think there's definitely a risk that Jaden Reed is like the, you know, Jahan Dotson of two years ago where like Sean Clifford, like first, second, third and fourth read was the same dude just watching him <laughs> run through defense. Uh, and there's that risk, especially because Peyton Thorne had a tendency to zero in on him last season. Now, thankfully, it's an excellent connection and Jaden Reed's an excellent player. And it will probably, if that's the case, get him on first team all Big Ten but it's not necessarily the best way to win a lot of games. Um, so I think it'll very much depend on on that and how Jay Johnson uh, kind of arranges the playbook to, to find more first reads that are not Jaden Reed. Early in the season, every defense is going to be trying to take Reed away first and make Thorne go elsewhere. So we'll, we'll, we'll see pretty early uh, how Johnson and Thorne and the rest of the group will handle that. Yeah, Reed, it's... It's fine. I was watching a, a highlight tape that I put together on Jaden Reed, and he's just so good. I, it, it's almost it's so lame to say it that way, but he's good at everything. I mean, you go back through last season, there were plays where they handed it off to him on a reverse. He made multiple people miss and either scored or got a first down. He had the punt returns. He had plays on there where he just ran a really good route and made a circus catch on the sideline. There were obviously a lot of 50-50 balls that that he went up and got over a corner. He just did everything. And like the most obvious thing that nobody has really talked about a whole lot when it comes to legacy with Jaden Reed is we're looking at a guy who didn't even play his entire career at Michigan State and is going to be among the top five to 10 wide receivers in program history, just with the numbers he's going to wind up with and, you know, really good teams. Hopefully if, if this season goes as planned that he's going to be on, we're going to look back at Jaden Reed and say that that was the top five receiver in program history and in a program with Charles Rogers and Andre Risen and Kirk Gibson and, you know, fill in the blanks there. But, um, yeah, he's he's putting together a hell of a resume, and he's going to add to that this year. If if he goes under a thousand yards, I would be shocked. Um, but 
you know, we'll we'll kind of go. We've we've talked a lot about the wide receivers. Haven't really talked much about the tight ends. You know, other than in passing, Daniel Barker comes in from Illinois, um, NFL type talent, but you know has been under 300 receiving yards every season of of his Illinois career. Malik Carr, you're obviously looking at flashes of brilliance, but hasn't put it together. We've we've talked about it on the podcast before, but he is just so it's not I don't want to say sneaky athletic because he looks incredibly athletic, but it's sneaky fast, right? His acceleration is not what you would expect for a guy that size. You, you typically look at tight ends, especially guys that are his six foot five, 250 pounds and say, yeah, he's he's that red zone threat. You know, he's going to go jump over you. But you remember the there was a tight end screen up the middle against Purdue and he caught that thing, put his foot in the ground, and just took off. And there were two players coming in from either side of him on really good pursuit angles that any other tight end would have gotten brought down almost immediately. And he just blew right past him. And I remember that was the first play where I looked at Malik Carr differently than I had before that play. Before that play, I thought, you know, basketball player throw it up to him in the red zone, you know, and then he, he pulled that out of his bag. And I thought, wait a second here, the ceiling on Malik Carr is a lot different than I thought it was. And he did the same thing against Maryland. There was another tight end screen where he just, he caught it and hit the gas Penn state. Same thing. He turned like a 10 yard play into like a 25 yard play. He is way faster than I ever thought he was. And he is a guy that he, if he reaches his ceiling, you know, you talked about that you you would love to see a guy at tight end really be that threat. Maybe it's not this year. Maybe it is. His ceiling is ridiculously high. His ceiling is 800 yards and 10 touchdowns. I mean, I'm I'm not saying that with green colored glasses. This the speed, leaping ability, athleticism. Now, obviously, the blocking for his kind of prototype type of a player might leave something to be desired at 250 pounds if he wants to be a blocker he can be but man his his ceiling as a pass catcher is higher than any tight end that i ever remember watching at michigan state it's interesting he didn't really show the strengths that we expected when he came in right you you see this big again another guy with that athletic basketball background tall guy you're thinking red zone threat jump balls physical and he ends up being an open field threat uh same play against Pitt, exactly the same situation that little tight end tunnel screen down the middle he probably most of his yards for the entire season were on those few catches um and and after the catch right yeah (laughs) yeah he catches the ball at the line of scrimmage and then he has one of those strides that just eats yards. You know, it's he doesn't look fast because he's not taking that many steps, but in reality, each step is like four yards. <laughs> and he gets down the field in a flash. Um he's got that gazelle run to it. Yeah. Yeah. And and again, that goes back to Jay Johnson utilizing the strengths of his pass catchers. He some coaches might see a six foot five tight end and think we got to get the ball to him in the red zone. Jay Johnson says just throw it to him at the 40, let him run. Um We'll see more of that, hopefully. And I think that's 
one of Jay Johnson's great strengths as we've seen. Um, but again, it's, it's potential. And especially at the tight end position, how many guys have we had in the last six, seven years that looked like they had potential, uh, maybe this much, but looked like they had potential and just never seemed to find a productive niche that we truly rely on in the playbook week in and week out. So can, can Malik Carr find a niche like that and expand it this year? Is Daniel Barker the kind of NFL prospect that we're hoping for? And what does that mean uh, in our offense? Or does the great elusive Tyler Hunt continue to find (laughs) his way on the field? Uh, You know, he will. The only player on this roster, other than Peyton Thorne, who has ever thrown a pass attempt in college football to Peyton Thorne of all receivers. Um, he was a punter. He was a he's a tight end. He's been a quarterback. He'll find his way. Um, he's been the kickoff specialist. He's kind of like the the cockroach like the floor. Well, geez, <laughs> you can't kill him. <laughs> He'll the never floor die. Of the group, like Malik Carr and Daniel Barker, we'd love <laughs> we to see totally something. different directions there. <laughs> but uh, Tyler Hunt, he is the floor, or he's crawling across the floor. Um, you can rely on him to go in and do a pretty good job. Uh, he's not going to be all Big Ten, but you know, you know what you're going to get from him. You know, he he knows what he needs to do, and. Uh, and he gets some things done, and he'll surprise you once in a while. Uh, another guy to keep an eye on here, maybe in special teams this season, but Jack Nickel uh, is going to work his way up this roster the next couple of years and be a force in this offense. I think he's a little raw for, for this season, but um, if you're looking for a name outside those top three, keep an eye on 87. Yeah, early um, enrollee, which always helps as a freshman, right? Yeah. We have another tight end kicker, Evan Morris. Uh, he was a kicker last year. He's a tight end now. So uh, you just never know what you're going to get with a with a Jay Johnson offense. Yeah, and the other the other tight end recruit, Michael Masunis, I have high hopes for eventually, but uh, you know was not on the uh, roster here for the spring. So I would assume if one of those guys are going to get on the field, it'd probably be Nickel. So I think that's about it. Right, I think we covered our bases there. Uh, so you've got uh, next uh, next week. I keep forgetting we're on we're on the twice a week schedule now, people. So uh, later this week, you will have the offensive line preview, which will be interesting. That is probably the one of the most interesting groups on the roster. Uh, I think I can say that fairly confidently. So you're going to want to tune into that. We'll see if we have any news to get to by the time that rolls around and uh later this week we also have big 10 media day so we'll have some news to talk about coming out of that i'm sure uh spartan dog con the the big recruiting event for michigan state probably this weekend as well we'll have something coming out of that so lots of stuff coming around the corner 39 days until kickoff it's a great time to be subscribed if you are not. It's a great time to tell your friends about the podcast if you haven't already. Share it with all your Spartan buddies. We really appreciate that. And with that, hope everybody has a great start to your week here. We'll talk to you guys soon. Go green. Go white. Take care, folks.